Shows. This is Live at Five with Glenn Curry. <laughs> Army where you shoot them a mile away, you gotta get up close like this. Bada bing, you blow their brains all over your nice Ivy League suit. <laughs> Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> Learn it, know it, live it. Are you running a business or a charity war? Leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> Yankees win! Pull over! No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. You a This is Live at Five. Live at Five. Live at Five. We're live. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Special show today. We always have a special show today. Our top story tonight, as Garrett Morris would say. Let me adjust the microphone here. Uh, We have a uh, a call-in guest. He might even be on the phone right now. I'm going to find out in a little bit. But nonetheless, you don't want to miss this. Uh, Dr. Michael Schwartz uh, from Jersey, Florida. Young man, uh, accomplished young man, needless to say a doctor, has so much to say about a book he wrote called Fauci's Fiction. And um, some people out there, all two of you, won't like what he's about to say, but we, uh, I, I got referred by uh, Mr. Schwartz, Dr. Schwartz, excuse me, uh, by our friends uh, with the, uh, the Tommy John team. In fact, it was Tommy John's wife, Cheryl Zeldin, who had uh, reached out to me a couple weeks back. Uh, and that's when I spoke with uh, Michael Schwartz. This might be, I don't know if he's calling in now. We have it scheduled for 5.15, but you never know. Let's just see if he's calling in. Okay, uh, ca- call again, call again, call again, call again. I'm going to do an exclamation. All right, it's calling in right now. Let's see if this is him. This is going to be a fascinating discussion. And uh, I, wa- I want everyone to uh, tune in uh, if you can. Hi, is this uh, Dr. Michael Schwartz? Yes, this is Dr. Schwartz. How are you, sir? Good, good, good. You know, I mean, there's so many things to talk about. First of all, doctor, how old are you? 62. Oh, you're 62. You know, and quite frankly, when I spoke to you the other day, I just got an impression that you were in your 40s for some reason. But uh, you're, you're two well, years old. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're two years older than me. But I, if, if you don't mind, we're here to talk about your book and, and, uh, and why you wrote it and, and the fact that you were one of the first uh, firms out of New Jersey that actually... Uh, had the first COVID test or created them, which is fascinating itself. You see where I'm going with this? There's so many places we can go, but the first question I got to ask you, you you had a profession before you were a doctor, one of which you were a cop, a police officer, excuse me, and you were a comedian. Can you elaborate on that, Michael? Well, the the, the combination of of a law enforcement officer and a comedian really goes hand in hand. Okay. All right, wait, hold up. Hold hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. I fell for, you know what? This isn't the same voice we heard the other day, and he's not 62 years old. Once again, I've been had. This is, of course, Lefty. Thank you very much, Lefty. He did it again, but at least I caught him this time. See, you know, sometimes the actual guy said he's calling in now. So, you know, it's one of those things where Lefty can get you, and you get yourself. 
And I said, this voice is, is, <laughs> is so bad. Let's see if, uh, if this is Dr. Schwartz. Hi, you're on the air. No, that's not it. This is, this is already a nightmare. You know, Mike DeLine, that's his name, did that to me before. I'm going to throw him under the bus here. Here it is. I'm all nervous about this phone call. And let's see if he's going to try it again. Call again. Please. Ah, boy. I have right on my text that he was going to call me on 515. By the way, Jeff Graham's show today, when he started talking about how the legislators want to just vote their way uh, into a four-year term, it's on News Junkie as we speak. Very, Jeff just really, he's, he is the analyst of analysts. He really is. He uh, uh, pulled them apart limb by limb. It's quite frankly, in as far as politics are concerned, uh, the, 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 the easiest job in the world. You have to have a good reputation. You have to be a good man. You have to show up once a month. And not really. Uh, even, even Councilman uh, Cliff only, you know, badgers the, uh, the, uh, the city. Check that, the county legislators from time to time. But stick to the two years, and like Jeff said today, it, it keeps you engaged with your constituents. If someone out of uh, Albany has to do that every two years, like, uh, like our assembly people do, then you got to do it as well. Like Scott Gray has to do it. You know, the moment you win an, uh, an election in New York State where there's two terms, and for that matter, four terms. Let's see where he's at. Well, yeah. All right. This, <laughs> someone just told me. Um, it, it's, uh, they start actually, you know, uh, generating money so that they can get, uh, you know, uh, reelected two, four years later. So I, I, Jeff had a very good assessment of things like he always does. Hi, uh, you're uh, is, is this Dr. Michael Schwartz? It is. Is this Glenn Curry? This most certainly is. And I just had an imposter. I mentioned your name earlier. There's a local guy here. He's very good at it. He said, oh, this is Dr. Michael Schwartz. He, and I asked, and I asked him, and it's, just, it's not the first, I am very, very gullible. I, I, someone told me that Roy White of the New York Yankees used to be a, a member of the Go-Go's, and I actually believe him. That, that's just the way I am, Michael. I'm sorry. You know, Roy, you know, Roy White's a friend of mine, actually. Is he, I know you're a Yankee fan. And amongst other uh, things, you're, you're, you know, go ahead. You're a Yankee fan. How are you friends with Roy White? Well, I do all the camps, so I'm a Yankee camper as well. He's one of our coaches. So I've been going to Yankee camp for years. I, I run the tournament team down in uh, Tampa, and Roy's a personal friend. And, and you know, the question that I asked the imposter— was one, one? How old are you, uh, Doctor Schwartz? <laughs> if you know, I know that's a personal question. Are, are you asking me, or you, did you ask him? No, well, no, I asked him, and he said sixty-two. He said, "Geez, you sounded so much younger when I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago." So now I have to ask you: You're not sixty-two years old. No, I'm forty-seven. You're forty-seven. I, I don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, that because I knew you were much younger than that, and the reason why I asked that is because you've accomplished so much. Um, you're a doctor. You have your own clinic, but you've had a, a previous life as a police officer and a comedian. So before we get into Fauci's fiction, which obviously that's what you're calling in about, what we want to discuss, uh, w tell me where were you a police officer and how did you get into the line of comedy? Well, comedy I've been doing for 24 years now. I still do comedy. I do a lot of shows. I just did two shows at uh, Catchy Rising Star in Princeton, New Jersey. I, I do stuff all over the country. Uh, as a police officer, I, I left that job in 2009. That was a lot of fun. Learned a lot. I'm also a private pilot. And uh, just to clarify, I'm a research doctor, not a medical doctor. Um, and, but I do own medical clinics and employ medical staff. So I know it gets a little confusing to people with the title doctor. But, you know, uh, you know all, my epidemiologist is a doctor. But he's not a medical doctor either. So. Well, I was going to say, uh, you, uh, you're more of a doctor than Dr. Jill Biden is. Is that correct? 
I, I, well, we have the same title, so. Yeah, well, I know. It, 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 yeah, it gets confusing. But again, you know medical, you, you, you're on the medical side. You're not a literacy uh, teacher at a, at a, at a no, junior college. No, I a couple medical certs. I, I got a bunch of stuff. I sat on, you know, numerous, my, I got a long, long history, 30 years in business. Well, that's awesome. And and you're originally from Jersey. I, I, I don't know if you're calling in from Florida right now, but last week you had a couple of, you had a, a prestigious uh, breakfast with the guy who played Hercules, uh, and, and one of many people that you know and talk to, on, a, on I, I'm assuming on a weekly basis. Sure, actually, Kevin texted me. Kevin Sorbo, a great guy, just texted me yesterday. Uh, if you haven't seen Kevin's movie, I just watched Let There Be Light, fantastic movie. Sean Hannity produced it, and uh, Kevin does a great job. In fact, his entire family's in the movie. I, I sound like I'm doing a promotion for Kevin Sorbo, but yeah, we have a lot of interesting friends that uh, are very patriotic, give back to the community all the time. Kevin's one. And, one, and Kevin is one of them. So, you know, okay, so this book, one of several that you've written, Fauci's Fiction, and thanks for the, uh, for the copy of it. And I have just a couple of quick questions here, but I got into a little bit of your background. Yankee fan, police officer, thanks for sharing that with, you, with us. So when it comes right down to it, I, the first thing I think about is that the opening, I guess you could say back in April or May of 2020, when all of this went down, there was a couple of uh, doctors, I believe out of the Los Angeles, Orange County area, uh, that had a live press conference, and like one, I don't know if it was C-SPAN or one, one network actually covered them, uh, but that was the first indication that, you know, that the numbers or the people that were coming in with COVID-19, a brand new uh, term for everyone's vernacular at the time, were, uh, were, weren't exactly what the government was telling us. So years, day in, day out, you know, Governor Cuomo at the time was saying, you know, 10,000 people uh, uh, contracted uh, COVID-19, we lost 2,000 yesterday, and then finally, we saw these two doctors sitting at the end of a conference table, having having a conference, basically saying that what you're hearing isn't true. But was it at that point that when when you started realizing that, that and I'm reading through your book, that did you know early on that the numbers just didn't match what people were hearing in the media, Doctor Schwartz? We did, we did. We were Glenn. We were the first company in New Jersey to conduct a COVID test, and that is just kind of happenstance. One of the labs we work with was one of the first thirty in the nation to get approval to do it. And they had called me. I was down in Florida. I'm actually in New Jersey right now. But they called me down in Florida, and they said, hey, you know, do you have any interest in doing COVID testing? And I said, well, I, I guess. I mean, right now, kind of everybody's shutting down. We're losing a bunch of business. We might as well. So we jumped into it. And I literally flew back from Florida that weekend. They, they started testing on a Monday. I got the word out to a couple, uh, you know, municipal partners that we work with. And the mayor had called me and said, hey, can you, can you go test this guy, this, this family of this guy who's sick in the hospital? And, and I, I went and obliged um, and, you know, it turns out that all four of them had had COVID. Only two of them had any symptoms. and Most of them didn't have any real symptoms or what you would call classic symptoms. And uh, but the husband, the father was in the hospital uh, on event and he succumbed to his to his uh, to at the, the time, you know, we thought the disease, which, you know, COVID as a novel virus, it did a lot of damage. COVID is very real. I never say that it's not in the book. It's mm-hmm. a very real thing. And there's a story about where it came from and, you know, how, how it got here and who was pushing it and all that fun stuff. Was it zoonotic? Was it a lab leak? You know, we can get into that later. But it's very real. The, 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 what we were seeing, though, Glenn, in the beginning was that most people have this, and 90% of my patients didn't have a single symptom. Now, you would only see that if you understand perspective, right? Because sick people by nature go to the hospital or they go to the doctor. Right. We started then testing nursing homes, police departments, school districts, where they wanted their staff and their, 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 you know, their population tested every single week in order to take them out of population. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we're calling 10 cops a week, telling them that they're positive, but 
I got nine of them yelling at me because they don't have any symptoms, and now they're getting taken out of work. So you start to learn really quickly. And we started you know, probably about April, because our first test was March uh, 16th of 2020. Probably by April 16th, a month in, when we had a couple hundred tests under our belt, we started to see trends. Hmm. And uh, that was one of the ones you recognized. So here it is, your firm, and again, I'm assuming you're in a very populated area. You had a lot of people that you were testing. You're, you were probably bringing in a decent amount of money. Just like you said earlier, that, you know, the, the whole country had shut down, and you took the initiative to say, hey, let's, let's be part of this business, and you did. So did, did you start objecting to what was going on and at the same time risking the bottom line at your own clinic? We did. And, you know, we were very honest with our patients. You know, we would talk people out of a lot of things, you know, to coming in with the masks on, which, you know, I talk about the second stupidest thing I've ever seen in my lifetime in my career. We don't wear masks for Virons. I mean, some of that stuff they were telling you on TV just didn't make sense. Six feet, you know, come on, six feet. I, I actually reference Dr. Lydia Baruba from MIT, who did a study in my book, where she just looked at people breathing in a room, and the, and the, and the spread was 27.2 feet. You know, six feet's a made-up number, this mask thing, you know, wear a cloth mask, wear a bandana. I mean, it's just it's stupid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're looking at the death count on CNN, which is probably the, the most, you know, the, the, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Right. Uh, it, 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 you're watching that, and you realize that most of your patients, you know, even if they get a classic symptom, uh, it's, it's gone in two days, and they're fine. And they're calling me going, now what? Because in the beginning, we didn't know. You know, they, they made it as if everybody who got COVID was going to die. I, I think the world has caught up to us now. But the, the, I guess the point of the book is we knew this as early as April and May of 2020. And, yeah, we were trying to tell people, but we were getting shut down systematically. Nobody wanted to hear it. So, again, is this all part – I mean, the qu- simple questions that I have about this, and it, it's very political, and I'm sorry for going in this direction – but okay. what, again, I'll just give you a little foundation to, you know, to what I, how I feel about this. And I'm then, then I'm going to give you a crazy, insane uh, 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 a conspiracy theory behind him. But if, say, for instance, Hillary Clinton, say, say uh, uh, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we, uh, Donald Trump, excuse me, never ran for president in 2016. He doesn't become president because he doesn't exist. Kind of like a George Bailey scenario from It's One of Life. He never lived. So Hillary Clinton becomes president. It is my belief, Dr. Schwartz, that we would never have COVID. So you see where I'm going with this. And, and you know, I just think it was a convenient way to get rid of Donald Trump. And, and, it, and we see that so often because at the time when Kamala Harris was running on the ticket with Joe Biden, uh, someone asked her about the, the vaccination that was being created. She said, I won't take anything from, uh, that was created by uh, Donald Trump. And the moment they get into office in January of 2021, they change their tune completely. So do you look at it that way? Do you, was this a measure by the Chinese government that got fed up with the new tariffs, with the new trade agreements that the Washington Beltway had set up for, for, for decades before Trump even thought about running for president? They said, no moss on all of this. Uh, they're going to unleash the beast, whether or not it was a mistake, it was an accident or not. But do you think it was just a means of just shifting uh, the power uh, control of the Republicans, or for that matter, Donald Trump in 2020 when all this went down? I, I can put it all in perspective for you, Glenn, and, and I'm not going to disagree with you. I do not talk about that in the book. I was trying to be straightforward data. Let mm-hmm. the data speak for itself. You know, the truth doesn't lie. Once you look at the data, you can make your own determination. But it, it, one of the funny things is, look, when you stop tracking numbers, okay, and you don't have any narrative to talk about, COVID goes away. And what I mean by that is the, the rapid test. The rapid test was the end of COVID. Because when you are testing everybody with a PCR and forcing all these tests down everyone's throat, I'm talking about, you know, you had the drive-through centers. We had one at PNC Bank Art Center, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. You had mandatory testing for every single nursing home employee and 
resident in New Jersey, uh, every single assisted living resident employee in New Jersey. So, yeah, your numbers are going to be through the roof. Well, guess what? At some point after Biden got in office, they decided, you know what, we're not going to require PCR tests. We're just going to let you do rapid tests. You know, you need 10 to the 6th to 10 to the ninth power of virus in your system to alert a rapid test. So you're, na- you're naturally, your positives go way down. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you distribute eight rapid tests to every single household in the country, mm-hmm. those never get reported into the system, which means your COVID numbers naturally go down. And the government can say, voila, we solved the problem. COVID is gone. COVID is still there. We still have a problem. And where, whether it came out, you know, whether it was uh, intentionally released, and I, I don't really think it was. I think it was more accidental. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Wuhan lab, uh, they have satellite photos of the lab itself where there was, you know, cars in the parking lot one day and it was all disappeared the next day. Plus you got, you know, three people who died at ground zero, which were workers of the Wuhan lab. It's kind of circumstantial evidence tells you that it it was an accident out of Wuhan. But did the government exploit it for political gain? Yeah, if you ask me personally, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you lock everybody down, you force them into voting uh, by mail and you send ballots out to every household in the country, yeah, you're going to have voter irregularities. And then all of a sudden, once you get into office and you get the power, the numbers go mysteriously down and you've solved the problem. Come on, it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science. And when you understand the, the aspects of how testing gets reported, what a test actually means, how to test appropriately for COVID, as like I said, right now, the numbers are through the roof. We have patients who are sick with COVID. They're not sick to the point of, you know, I'm going to die because most people don't die from COVID. Mm-hmm. It's a coronavirus. And most people have B and T lymphocyte immunity, which is a memory response that you get once you've had it. But the numbers mm-hmm. are, you know, they're out there, but they're just not getting reported. Yeah. And then, then we just found out recently that as many as one third of the uh, of those who, who you know, allegedly died of COVID back in the last two, three years at the peak uh, were, in, in fact, re- not related to COVID at all. And they say that the conservative number, some people say it's much higher, maybe as much as 40, 50 percent. And that particular story really didn't really you know, didn't didn't make it to the front page for that matter or the top of the, uh, the line. So what does that tell you? I mean, again, we also found out that uh, there were more people that died when the vaccination came out as opposed to uh, before the vaccination came out, I believe, in April of 2021. What, what say you about that data? Yeah, it's, it's a common myth that if you're vaccinated, you're not going to be as sick from COVID. As a matter of fact, I, I posed a hypothesis to my immunologist about two years ago, and this is when the vaccine was coming out. I said, if you've never had COVID before and you get a shot and get an inflammatory reaction, then you get another shot and get infl- and then a third shot and another inflammatory reaction, could you theoretically be sicker? And all of a sudden he cut me off and he goes, yeah, from the cytokine storm. And he goes, that's a great hypothesis. And that's kind of what you're seeing now. But this is the problem, Glenn. The media has been a year to 18 months behind us every time we say something. We'll, we're in the office telling our patients what you're saying now. Two years before that, uh, you know, we were talking about people dying with COVID, not from COVID. I mean, it was it was quite obvious that, you know, a lot of these people had other things going on. And you wouldn't know that unless you were actually looking at the real data. And I'm talking about something, you know, your viewers are going to your listeners are going to have to really kind of delve into the book a little bit. But CT value, that's how much virus you have in your body. Do you have a co-infection? Because most of the sickest of the sick had a co-infection. Usually it was a staph infection from wearing the mask. But when you have staph along with H flu on top of COVID, yeah, you're going to be sick. The majority of the patients that just had COVID were fine. And if they did develop a classic symptom at all, they would usually recover within days. So it was kind of a joke to us in the beginning. And I don't mean, you know, we take our patients' uh, health care very seriously, but we also don't want to see them get into a depression. Uh, the suicide rate went through the roof, kids out of school during this whole thing. And we're looking at the data in front of us going, hey, guys, 
this really isn't as serious as the media is making it out to be. As a matter of fact, we should probably adopt the Swedish model. And I got so much flack uh, for mentioning that from folks who said, you know, you're going to kill people. Meanwhile, I got all these thousands of patients who have COVID and they're fine. In fact, we didn't lose one patient during the entire pandemic. Not one of our patients succumbed. Wow. Not one. And why is that? Well, we used a very, very easy regimen. It was, it was, it's funny, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, a lot of things to boost your immune system, electrolytes. I had four patients go to the hospital. That was because most of the time they weren't taking care of themselves. They were getting dehydrated uh, to the point where, you know, they were exhausted. They had to go to the hospital. But the vents, the protocols that we were using at the hospital was doing more damage than we were doing just by our basic protocol. The venting of patients too early where they were bucking the vent because of the cytokine storm, which is where they were shutting their immune system down. Also, flu protocol flares this thing up, and that's what we were using in the beginning when we didn't realize that COVID was a novel virus. We thought it was, you know, the flu. So people were prescribing Tamiflu, and yet, lo and behold, it's flared it up. So were you exasperating things and, and didn't know it? Tremendously. And we learned how to treat it pretty early on. Um, the problem is, you know, you had the government really touting a narrative that wasn't matching what we were seeing on the ground. Yeah, and Dr. Fauci, from the beginning, of course, Fauci, Fauci's Fiction is the name of the book by Dr. Michael Schwartz, who we're talking to right here. Uh, it, you know, he, he said even years earlier that we were at the outset, when, when it was reported that uh, one of the uh, uh, cruise liners off the coast of the Pacific Ocean, we had some cases in the state of Washington, and said, oh, no, masks won't do anything. But he changed his tune again and again and again, and he would mock Donald Trump in the press conferences. He would shake his head and whatnot. What was the body language that you were reading from Dr. Fauci from the beginning, doctor? Do the opposite of what Trump says, right? I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was comical. When you go on a plane and they mandate masks, I would have had a lot more respect for the administration and Dr. Fauci if they had said, look, an N95, a properly fitted N95 mask is your best bet of, of not contracting this thing if you're going to fly. But they didn't say that, okay? I would have had a lot of respect for them if they did say that. When you say things that are scientific that make sense to other scientists, We'll take note and say, okay, let's try to, you know, curb this thing a little bit. But that's not what they were saying. Put on a cloth mask. You know, that, that mask does absolutely nothing. And when you understand particle size and air fluidity, you could fit 500 million particles of COVID on a pinhead. Mm-hmm. 500 million. So when you have somebody breathing in a room who's symptomatic, you are just walking around to see a particle. You are not breathing through that filter. That thing is not duct taped to your face. You're sucking it in through the path of least resistance. And by the way, Glenn, mm-hmm. it only takes one particle, one live particle to infect you. So when you're walking around amongst millions and billions, the whole mask thing just didn't make sense. You're watching these scientists tell you to do things that are unscientific. And yet the funny part was everybody seemed to want to go along with it. Yes. You know, if I walked into a doctor's office and they had one of those plastic things up and they forced you to wear a mask, I'd walk out. Because why would I trust your science if you don't understand science in the first place? I know they're not experts at it, but these are the same guys and gals who are giving advice on the vaccine, and that just doesn't make any sense. Medicine is one, not one size fits all. I don't give advice on cardiology in my office because we don't do cardiology. It's very simple. Stay in your lane and do what you do best. This is something that we know. And we did pretty well. Was it a mob mentality, you think? Groupthink is a very powerful thing. And, you know, you know, Glenn, there's a, there's a bunch of us, and I'm sure you've got a lot of listeners who, who buck that trend because they're, you know, they're leaders. You're a different type of person. Um, and, you know, but there's only 3% of us out in the world, and, and the other 97% kind of go along with the flow. You know, if everybody said no in the beginning to wearing masks on planes, they wouldn't have did it because, you know, the economy is more important than, you know, pissing off a few people here right. and there. But right. they didn't do that. 
Right. No, they didn't because, they again, they were like sheep. They just followed the leader. And I keep coming back to the Trump equation, although I know it covered two administrations at the tail end of Trump's uh, four-year term. But, uh, boy, that it just seemed like people wanted to be divided. And of course, that's, that's for another show altogether. But that, it just seemed like a perfect time. Uh, COVID did a lot. I mean, George Floyd came out a couple of months later. Uh, Ryle Kittenhouse came out uh, – uh, Rittenhouse, excuse me, came out in the summer – uh, a couple of other incidents, and then, of course, you know, the January 6th. So Trump was gone, and, and yet more people died after the vaccination was, was, uh, was distributed. Let me ask you, are you vaxxed? No, I'm not, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, you know, I apologize to your listeners out there because, you know, I know a lot of people, and they come in my office and they tell me, oh, I had to do it because of my job. And, right. You know, I had to do it because it's not worth it, folks. Look. And I will tell you this, Glenn, this, this will kind of put it in perspective. We did not not recommend the vaccine in the beginning because we thought it was going to cause problems. The reason we didn't recommend the vaccine was because it didn't work. So when you notice that you only get a 120 day antibody response from the vaccine, which is the exact same antibody response you get from COVID, why would you go out and get an experimental vaccine that you're going to put two or three in your body when it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. And when I say it doesn't work, if you have to go back to the old language. The CDC has changed the definition of the word vaccine. But when you tell an 80-year-old or a 70-year-old or a 60-year-old person the word vaccine, they're thinking polio, you know, vaccinated for life, sure. MMR, or, you know, even Hep B, you're good for at least 10 years. You are not thinking in the term of flu shot. And that's how this worked. It worked the very same way as a flu shot. Now, would you go out and get a flu shot in August? No, you would get the flu shot for the seasonality of the flu in your area. Mm-hmm. They weren't even talking about getting the COVID shot before the seasonality, which is randomly get it as soon as you can, get a, get a booster, get another booster. That doesn't make sense medically. It doesn't take much effort to see that they had no real plan for this, but they really fooled a lot of people into doing it. They certainly did. And that one guy from Veritas, uh, he set up one of the high technicians. I, I can't remember which form, which were the big pharma companies. I can't remember. It was Merck, which, whatever it was. But the guy basically espoused, you know, just spewed out all the reasons why you know they were making big time money. They knew the vaccination didn't work, uh, and that eventually, that, that you know, even Fauci, not that long ago, although we don't hear that much anymore, would say, yes, we should have a continuous uh, a vaccination or booster every year. We don't hear that anymore. Are they giving up on the vaccination? Do they admit that it never worked and it was just a power grab? Yeah, it, it was enough of the population, critical mass, I guess I'll call it, when enough people start to realize, you know, the old saying, you can fool a lot of people, whatever. Some of the people, some of the time, and not all the people all the time. Once you hit critical mass and people realize it's not working, you get a lot of those folks. I got patients that come in and say, well, I got the first two, but I'm never getting another booster. And I'm looking at them like, why'd you get the first two? You know, I mean, right. you know, they, they really believed in the CDC and they believed in, in, in their own doctors who were touting this. I'm like, Hey, you know, so when you do cardiology, when you do oncology, stay in your lane. If you don't know anything about COVID, you know, then you should say the words, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of culpable people out here, and the CDC was given a lot of guidance that really kind of didn't match the science. You know, Donald Trump was talking about, and please help me with the pronunciation here, it's hydrochloroquine. Am I saying that uh, correctly? Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. Uh, would that have helped? You know... Here's the thing. We didn't use it. Uh, we also didn't use ivermectin. And I know a lot of doctors who did and, and touted a lot of success with it. However, I could take the same patient. Where, and you got to remember, we, didn't, we did very minimal treatments on our COVID, COVID patients. Vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, right? Electrolytes. Stay hydrated. Okay? And then we would use measures like proning. You could have one patient, my patient, and put it next to another patient. That patient would take 
ivermectin, all of a sudden they'd be better in two days. Well, my patient was also better in two days. Same thing with hydroxychloroquine. The, the, the problem that I have with the way the, the government and the media handled it was you should have a right to try. If you're in a national pandemic, in a worldwide pandemic, and right. you don't know how you're going to react to a novel virus, if you think something could work, you should be able to try it and use it. You know, ivermectin, everybody liked to tout it as horse pills. It, it, yeah, I, no, it, it was approved for human use, I think, in 1987. It's just a different dosage for animals than it is for humans, but it's an antiviral. You should absolutely try ivermectin if you think it's going to work. I don't think it had the effect that a lot of doctors think it did, only because, I, like I said, it, it almost looked like the placebo effect against the patients that I had that were recovering in the same time without any treatment. Interesting. Um, so, you know, it, but, but you should never you know, tell uh, the public you know, or, or, or the medical community you shouldn't have the right to try something. Medicine is a practice. It's exactly what it is. You have the right to try things and see what works and what doesn't. But you do agree, of course, COVID was real and still is real. And i got to ask you, you know, the one thing that uh, uh, Gov- then-Governor Cuomo got vilified for was that he sent a lot of these uh, early COVID patients into nursing homes. Uh, was, that was a bad decision, and ultimately that killed a lot of older uh, adults. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I'll put it in perspective for your listeners. If you are in the population who could succumb uh, in the next five years if you got ill, uh, a cold can bring you down, a flu can bring you down, COVID can bring you down, just like you know any respiratory pathogen like RSV. To put the most vulnerable population right on the front lines of where that virus is is, 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 is just a blatant stupidity. Right. Um, and, and how these people get votes is beyond me. But it seems like with that, you know, that group mentality, that, that cult mentality we talked about before, where groupthink is supersedes everything, right. it doesn't matter what they do. You know, Donald Trump could, you know, save a baby and they'd still find a reason to get mad enough. Right, so, right, whatever right. Cuomo says, they just kind of go along with it. But, I mean, people, we got to wake up. I mean, there are certain things that just make sense and certain things that don't. And putting the most vulnerable of a population you know, into the COVID fire is just is just stupid. And and yes, he did kill a lot of people. We had the same problem with Governor Murphy, Governor right, right in Pennsylvania. I don't know what they were doing, whether they were conspiring together just to make stupid decisions. Let's go along with it. But mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I, I saw it firsthand because we tested actually the first nursing, first assisted living in New Jersey that actually wanted to test before the mandates came down. I had an owner call me and said, hey, we just want to do this out of precaution. And they had 15 people die the week before we came in, mm. we went and tested 56 of their residents, found 15 more positives, by the way, all of them were fine. Um, but it did take out the ones before that that were most vulnerable. Hmm. And, and thus, they literally did die of COVID then, in your estimation. Well, you got to remember, they weren't my patients, right? So I don't know if they had a COVID uh, co-infection. I don't know if they had comorbidities, and I don't know what their viral load was, so I really can't speak to that. Hmm. But see, we have something called horizontal data, Horizontal data would be like me testing the exact same police department every single week for three years. I've done that. Mm. So you can see when those hundred officers, how many times they've had it, what their viral load was when they had it. I recorded every single symptom when they had it. I recorded their, um, their CT value every time they had it. And you could put a lot of information together. You have to understand COVID from the 30,000 foot view, which is why I wrote the book to really put it in perspective for people. So they understand testing the difference between testing, what a virus is, the language of a pandemic, that is important stuff. And if you don't understand it in totality, you're never going to understand it. And I think that's what the government wants. They want it to just go away and say, hey, we have this thing and we, we tackled it and we're good now. You know, and that's, that's right. not the truth. Right, 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 right. And again, the division, obviously, to me at least, seemed to be very, very convenient at the time of a very crucial election. Let me ask you, uh, did you ever get COVID yourself? Three times. Three times. And did you cough up a lung? Were you sick? Were you, uh, you know, in a hospital? 
first time I had it, it was uh, novel to me, and I was, you know, I was, yeah, I was in the hospital, but I felt like I had the worst flu in the world, and that, that lasted for like, a dry cough for about four weeks. The second time I had it was more muscle aches. I had more uh, of an immunity uh, B and T lymphocyte response, so I had a lot of memory to the virus, so it was more just muscle aches. And the third time was like a cold, but there's a reason that happened. You know, you're, you're building memory. To, you have, there's only 27 proteins inside of iron and inside that capsium, and when you get it naturally, you're building B and T lymphocytes, memory cells, to that virus. So the next time you get it, you're really only responding to the spike protein. Um, so there's a lot of science behind it, but, you know, once it kind of runs its way through the, the culture, which it did, you find that it's not as prevalent anymore. And it just, it's not getting weaker. It's the point that it's not, it's not, you're not responding to it the same way. Do you think that you would have been better off? Well, this is a stupid question. So if you had taken the vax, would your life be better or worse right now? And would you have, are you noticing, because you still own the clinics, are you noticing people with adverse effects as a result of the vaccination? In, in droves, and it's not the day of or the day after. We're finding all these things on what we call incidental findings. So you come in, you know, uh, for a checkup six months after the shot, and we do an EKG, and all of a sudden you got an enlarged heart, or, you know, you have a, an EKG that looks like you had a, a myocardial infarction. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you pull an EKG from six months before they had the shot, and they were totally fine. So you see a lot of cause and correlation. Yes, most of it is, is joint and heart. And it is only from the mRNA vaccines. We do not see this from the J&J. We do, you do see clotting from all three. And, and you, to answer your question, I would have been worse because every time you get a shot, you get a small inflammatory reaction. And what that is doing, it is exacerbating areas of weakness. So if you, right. for instance, would have developed a heart issue at 70, now all of a sudden it's coming out at 50. That, that's so, it's amazing that you say that. Because when you say inflammation, you said joint issues. Can I just share some of the stuff that I have? I, first of all, I got the J&J. And then I got, uh, just two months later, which was stupid, but it was required because of certain, you know, because of where I work, not to point the finger, but mob mentality certainly got me and many other people, in, in my opinion, in trouble from this. But now I suffer from stiffness all over my body. I, I sit down for a long day walking, and I do quite a bit. I'm strong. I don't have any hip issues, no, no knee issues, none of that. But I sit down for maybe even just 10 minutes, and I'm stiffer than a board. In addition to that, I have tinnitus. And, it, and I've read here and there that it makes tinnitus worse. And it seems like both of them are. So did I just give myself a death notice as far as my, my stiffness? Now, one, one, one last question. If, if a vaccination only lasts for the season, why am I still having lasting, uh, I guess you could say, results, bad ones, adversity in my body as a result of, some, of, of a shot that I took over two years ago? Or nearly so the, two vaccination, the vaccination doesn't quite last for a season. It's just giving you an antibody response. You have these uh, IgM, IgG, and IgA antibodies. Your IgG is your tail. It's, a, it's, your, it's like the longer-lasting antibodies. They seem to tail off on average of about 120 days. So that's giving you some immunity from catching it at the moment. However, um, the small inflammatory response you're getting from the vaccine is basically the same one you're getting from COVID. COVID is just as bad. So if you've, if you've gotten three shots and you've got COVID in the same year, you've essentially had four COVID four times, basically. You're getting four inflammatory reactions. And if you had the flu four times in one year, you wouldn't be a happy camper. Now, you know, it's funny. When you, when you start to see so many asymptomatic uh, COVID uh, people out there, when you test everybody at the same time, I brought a, a hypothesis up to uh, my immunologist, and I said to him, and I wonder how many asymptomatic flus are out there in the world. And it makes you think, because we don't test everybody at every flu season. Mm -hmm. But when you are putting 
that small inflammatory reaction. Those cytokines travel around your system for at least two weeks. Your ACE2 receptors pick those up. And if you have an area of weakness, whether it be the, the heart, the kidneys, uh, joint issues, it seems to inflame that slightly enough to make it worse. And I, we don't really know. We're gonna, it's going to be years before we have long-term data. But what I can tell you from what I see from my patients coming in is that all of a sudden they're developing these little issues. Like right now, we're seeing an abundance of cancer in the hospital, specifically lymphoma. We started to see that in New Jersey, and then all of a sudden we were consulting with uh, some folks in Boston, and they said, you know, we're getting a lot of cancer. And I said, what are you getting? And all of a sudden they said lymphoma. And I went, well, it's kind of funny. It's what we're seeing. We all trade information. We all talk, and we can kind of all see the trends. And I think that's part of the problem. People don't – the government didn't respond to the trends. People really aren't – you know, they're they're, they're not readily able to, you know, take what we say uh, and say, yeah, okay, this is gospel, because they would have turned to the CDC and say what they're saying, but they're not saying it yet. You're going to hear about that in years to come. Lymphoma, cancers, reoccurrences of cancer with a vengeance, uh, and it's it's just too fishy because you see the cause and correlation. It's not just like it's all of a sudden out there, but one of the things that we did, Glenn, by not by locking people down and making them as scared as they did, nobody cared about their health to go to the doctor. All these doctors closed. So the folks that have issues from diabetes, right. uh, the amount of you know people losing limbs now because of diabetes, mm-hmm. just because they weren't taking care of themselves from COVID, it's compounded the medical issues that we're seeing from the diabetes. And, and you know what I've noticed also, like like the actress Kirstie Alley died with like last year or something at 71 years old, and I see this. I use her as an example because she's high profile. We all know her. She's a celebrity, and she she died after a short illness. What is that all about? Am I reading too much into this, or is short illness also a part of our vernacular these days as yeah, a result I, of the vaccination? Yeah, I don't. I won't go there because I always like to protect my credibility, right? If you read my book, it's all about credibility. It's it's, it's straight data. Yeah, are we seeing all, all this? Is it being talked about in the news maybe more because you know we have access to a twenty four hour news cycle? I don't know. I can't make that judgment. Uh, you know, when 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 you see these young people having heart issues, right? Um, of course, the first thought in my mind was, that, you know, how many shots did they get? My, my dad died uh, during the making, during the writing of my book, hmm. and he had three Pfizer's. And when the autopsy report came back, in large heart, you see that in droves, uh, through a clot in his coronary artery, and his kidneys looked like they were going to fail because they were inflamed. We see that a lot from just folks having issues from the vaccine. So, of course, in my mind, I question it, but will it ever get to theirs as an adverse reaction to a vaccine? No. You know, it was a year after the vaccine, but most of the stuff we find from the vaccines is through, like I said, incidental findings that you would never know, but you went in for something else, and all of a sudden you're discovering a problem, and when you start to see it multiply at the same problem over and over and over, you start to then put trends together and say, hey, what's the only thing we've been doing differently in the last two years? And that's mass vaccination in the entire country. No doubt. And let me just ask you, was you how, how old was your father, and was he healthy? Uh, yeah, 76. Thanks for asking. Uh, very healthy. Um, you know, minor things here and there. He had a stint back in his 40s. Okay. Um, but, you know, overall pretty healthy. And I did beg him based on what I was seeing. Not uh, to get the vax. In my office. Yeah, I said, Dad, you don't need this. It's, you don't need it. You're going to get COVID anyway, and you're going to be fine. Amazing. You don't need these things to inflame up whatever's there. But um, my dad and my stepmom watch MSNBC <laughs> right. all day. Right. And that'll tell you what kind of information they brought being said. They weren't. They weren't telling you what I was seeing, I'll tell you that much. So, Dr. Fauci, is he just a complete liar? Is he one of the worst people who ever lived? I, I, I said this in another interview the other day. you got to commend the guy in the beginning for coming out and saying, hey, we've never seen this before, we're going to tackle it, we're going to do everything we can to try to mitigate this. But as the weeks went on and the stories changed about masks and everything else, you started to go, this is a little fishy. 
now that I'm three years into it, it's almost blatant corruption. I mean, to, to, to look at what they did uh, and to, to carry this on and shut down businesses and keep kids out of school. Like I said, the suicide rates through the roof. To keep this narrative going once we figured out in the first couple months that this really wasn't as bad as we were making it out to be, um, it, it, it looks a little suspicious to me. I, I don't know the guy. I don't have anything against the guy. But uh, I, I do question experts or so-called experts when they're giving advice that doesn't match medical science and, and data. And that, to me, um, harmed more people in the country, in the world, um, than anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. This is, this is blatant, just ridiculous no, no, no question about it. And of course, then, then there was the question of like he didn't want to disclose the fact that he uh, he was part of the financing to the Wuhan lab. Any thoughts on that, Michael? Well, I mean, like I said, when you look at that circumstantial evidence, I'm, I could make the assessment, and I don't write about this in the book. Again, I'm a straight. No, I guy. know, I know. You asked me my opinion. Do I think it came out of the Wuhan lab? Yeah, uh, that's kind of that was ground zero for it. And when you start to then follow the money back and right. you realize he was, the NIH was funding. Uh, you know, gain of function. Right. Yeah, it's a little suspicious. Maybe they were covering their tracks. Who knows? No, um, no, without a doubt. They, they had a good opportunity to to take hold of the country and do what they wanted to uh, with with mail in ballots and you know right. locking people down. I mean, it was just kind. Of, it's, just, it's it's stupid. When you look back at this and to think that we knew this in April, May, June mm-hmm. of 2020, mm-hmm. I had a friend ask me early on, he said, when do you think this will be over? And I said, by September of 2020, because his business was shut down. He goes, really that long? I said, yeah, but they're starting to catch up. People will notice and they'll see that, you know, that, that this isn't, you know, this isn't worth shutting the whole world down. Right. And he was devastated. And then to have that last another two years right. on top of it, I mean, come on, what, what are we doing? No. Are we that, are, are we that short-sighted as a, as a species here? Yeah, what, hap- what happened to your friend's business? He, uh, he eventually opened up. He had a hard time. And, and, you know, he got a lot of money from the government, right, which right. we never took anything. We were too busy working. Right. But a lot of my friends who were shut down got thousands and thousands of dollars to, to, to live and pay their employees and pay their staff. And now you see what happened. It's massive inflation. By the way, you know, all that hard work we did, we thought, you know, hey, we'll be okay. The government stiffed us out of all those tests that we did for the uninsured and the underinsured. We didn't get paid a dime on Medicaid. And the underinsured ones that we did, the, the uninsured folks, I uh, did thousands of tests for the government for, for free. Wow. Um, they ran out of money faster than they you know, gave it out to everybody in the country. So oh my goodness. We, we suffered just as much. It, it's unbelievable. And one last thing, John Stewart, did you like that conversation he had on, on, on his uh, protege's show, by the way, the Steve Colbert show, when he said, yes, it is, it's the Wuhan virus, thus it came from Wuhan, and Steve Colbert almost looked like he was going to have a heart attack right then and there. What did that tell you? I didn't see it, but good for John Stewart. You know, it, it sometimes the truth takes a while for folks to kind of catch up to. So, um, you know, if it's right in front of your face, you'd yeah. be an idiot not to admit it. Right, and and that 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 shed, and that was somewhat in the beginning. It was I believe it was in June of 2021. Doctor Michael Schwartz, this book is available right now on Amazon.com. Of course, it's Fauci's fiction. Uh, and a good read. I'm sorry I didn't get all of the all the reading. I, I was on vacation this week. I had a lot of things going on, but I was looking forward to this. And I also know you're a Yankee fan, a Tommy John fan, and I also know you're a Cheryl D- uh, Zeldin John fan as well. Uh, big time, big time. Uh, do you think you should get into the Hall of Fame? Oh my, that's a, 
no brainer. 288 wins. Guy had 188 uh, no decisions on top of that. It, it, forget the surgery. Just the plan. I agree with you. Uh, forget the surgery. Is absolutely. A lot of people say, oh, you got to put him in just for the surgery. Don't even talk about the surgery. He's got to be in the Hall of Fame. Dr. Michael Schwartz, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully the Yankees will actually win a game this week. That would be very nice. And hopefully they made some I'll, trades. I'll be watching. Glenn, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Michael Schwartz. Thank you. Uh, Fauci's Fiction, thanks again. Talk to you soon, sir. So there you have it, uh, right here on the Live at Five show. We talked for a bit. i got to go uh, and do a break. We'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Sarah Campbell-Pierce, and I'm r- blocking the exhaust from my furnace. All right, I got to cut out of this, only because I, I think uh, we're going to go straight to the satellite at 6 o'clock. I just got a, uh, <clears throat> a text from uh, Ken Martin, our operations manager. So uh, Jack Smith will be speaking. Uh, it now says it was originally uh, it was reported from uh, uh, Truth Social, Trump's uh, platform there, that uh, Jack Smith would be speaking at 5 o'clock. This is going to be breaking news in a big co- uh, conference that WATN will take at the top of the hour at 6 o'clock. So let me just make sure that I'm, I'm getting this out of here for, 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 uh, for Ken, because he's going to take over here in a little bit. So, <clears throat> yes. So anyway, uh, we do have someone on the phone. We have five minutes left in this show. Let's go to the phone to see who it is. Hi, you're in the air. Uh, yeah, I guess he answered... Uh... My question, pretty good. I had all the shots, boosters and everything, and I had uh, COVID, and then I ended up with an inflamed heart, um, screwed my chambers up. I was in the hospital for four days, and now I didn't have any heart attacks or anything like that. But now for the rest of my life, I'm going to be on seven different meds. And you you, associate, you attribute this, rather, to the, to the vaccination. I, you know, I hate to say it did it, mm-hmm. but... I read, I saw the articles where there were thousands, and I mean thousands of people that ended up with inflamed hearts, and spe- especially the younger population. Now, I, uh, you know, I exercise every day in my life, and I'm older. And uh, one day I was walking, and I walk every day, and I had a shortness of breath. So I thought maybe I had COVID, so I went up to Coffeen Street, and she comes out and says, you haven't got COVID, but we want to check you over. Hmm. So I said, okay. And uh, they threw an EKG on me. And she says, call your son to come and get you. They're waiting for you at the ER. I go, what? Wow, right, yeah. So he came and got me, went to the ER. My heart was all inflamed. And the two bottom chambers stopped working very good. So I got to Dr. Willis as soon as they got me uh, stabilized. And he told me all about it, showed me. The pictures of the EKG and all that MRIs and all that stuff. So he said, you know, we got all these new medicines now. And he says, I'm going to try to keep you out of St. Joe's. Hmm. And, you know, like put a jumper in or something. So anyway, it's been over a year and a half and the meds are still working. And but the problem is the meds are they're pretty hard on the body. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, all medications really are yeah. hard. I mean, they're keeping me uh, the heart going and, and functioning right but uh, the rest of the body, see, now I can't say I got the same thing like you do. I've got j- joints and all that stuff now, whether it's from the, from the meds, the heart meds, or from the boosters mm-hmm. and the shots. I mean, who knows? You know, I can't say for sure, but it just seemed awful fishy. Right. That here's a, you know, exercise every day of my life, and then all of a sudden I can't breathe. Do you, do you resent you know, taking? So do you do you resent you know, it? 
you, you know, you can take it the way you want to, but uh, that's that's how I felt. No. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you very much. Well, it's that's you know we don't know we don't know the truth, but we certainly have a lot of data in our own bodies to suggest otherwise. Hi, you're in the air. Yay, Glenn. So I'm glad you had that doctor on. You know, right. stuff I've already told you years ago. It's Donnie. Hey, so I was thinking maybe you everybody can get together and sue their employer. Yeah. For, for making them do that. Right. Right. Put up a billboard. Well, yeah. Right. Put up a billboard. That'd be great. <laughs> you know. Hey, you know a few people. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I got some people. Yeah. So, Donnie, real yeah, quick. So anyway, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you had him on, but no. I feel really, really bad for anybody who got the shot. And I love his answer. Right. He's like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess I well, am because I didn't remember when I came on this show. A lot of people, including my friends and relatives, says, "Glenn, when are you going to take the vaccination?" And I'm like, "Geez, I'm, I feel uncomfortable about this." And uh, sure enough, I did. I took the J and J, and two months later, I took the booster. And a lot of people right now are shaking their heads. You know, you should have done it just like everybody else. And now we're finding out a couple of years later, thirty percent of the people that allegedly died of COVID didn't die of COVID at all. So once again, Donnie Noah's Ark, uh, whatever your last name is again, has has proven us wrong once again. Donnie, congratulations! I got to get out of here because well, we have a big conference. I appreciate it. That's uh, Donnie, uh, you know, being all important right now. Will probably outlive all of us by at least twenty years. God bless them for that. That's also the guy who says that the moon is a hundred miles above the Earth. Uh, so there you have it. Take it for what it's worth. All right, so a big conference coming up in thirty-two seconds. And uh, I don't see uh, Ken taking over the board just yet, but more than likely he will in the next couple of seconds here to get us into this uh, big uh, big conference about something. And, and honestly, I should know what, who this guy is, but I really don't. I've just been working today, so something's going on. It has something to do with Capitol Hill, and AM 1240 will take over here in a little bit. AM 1240, WE10, Watertown makes us legal. Up next, uh, Ken takes over here, and we'll have a press conference here on AM 1240, unless we go right into CBS News, one or the other. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Monica Ricks in New York, and we are following major breaking news out of Washington this hour, where former President Donald Trump has been indicted again. Here's CBS's Robert Costa. 